podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, my co-host, Mr. Dominic Jose Bizonio. Dominic, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. It's been a busy couple of days with uh, my Footvay English side of my internet activities. But uh, overall, I'm, I'm enjoying being flooded by all the soccer that is possible to be flooded by. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting down to it. Uh, you know, once the off season hits, I think we'll hit this lull where we're like, okay, I, you know, what do we do with our hands? Kind of like Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights. Yep. <laughs> uh, but we're sort of hitting the crescendo here, Dom, where it's just kind of all happening at once as things wind down. Um, not only just soccer, but like very, very meaningful playoff tournament soccer. Um, you know, teams fighting for their for their lives. Know, to keep their seasons going here so a lot of exciting stuff a lot of important a lot of important stuff but it's also a lot of stuff and so we'll we'll get to it as best we can here on this episode before we get down to it though uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast lets you know when we drop a new episode also lets you know when we drop that new episode of post loons which uh, i don't know maybe we'll start calling it postseason loons here <laughs> as we get into the playoffs for minnesota united uh, you can also follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at 10K Pitches. If you have not left the podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, please do so. Um, and if you haven't seen or seen last week's episode, heard last week's episode, uh, we brought back Chief Good Vibes Officer Ethan Brantz for a very, very important top four. Uh, and we did top four November things. So, yeah, super soccer related there. But uh, it's still a lot of fun bringing him back. And uh, Dom and I talked a lot of Minnesota soccer there in that episode as well. So if you want to go back and listen to episode 66, do that. But this week, uh, we're back to the soccer-related guest, Dom. Uh, and we are joined by St. Cloud State head men's soccer coach Sean Holmes and their freshman fielder Emmanuel Iwe, who also, if the name sounds familiar, played for Joy of the People here in St. Louis Park last uh, summer. So um, been talking a lot about him, been talking a lot about St. Cloud State season uh we had them on the show to talk about basically everything launching a new soccer team uh at the d2 level how that first season you know how they feel that first season went so really good conversation there yeah and you know they got a lot of exciting stuff going on uh emmanuel is an exciting player at uh, multiple levels so i think there's some stuff in there that everyone would like to hear about uh, the style of that team and uh, the minnesota focus of that team so definitely Definitely you should stick around for that. You starting to put up the uh, Christmas decorations in uh, in your apartment there, Dom, or not yet? Not yet. I, I kind of just have them around from last time, to be honest. And I haven't organized. There, there's not many of them. Mm -hmm. But I haven't organized <laughs> them into place yet. Although, you know, I can feel I can feel the the energies in the air telling me to. I can... I, I, I'll, I'll say this, I'll, I'll give a peek into my personal life. I did start to set something up once and my girlfriend told me that it was too early. <laughs> so, oh, no. so I'm, I'm already, I'm already oh, falling in the trap. I, I have, I, I, I oh, feel like, no. I feel like people don't expect this of me, but I, I I'm a very like holiday nostalgia person. I, I very much enjoy all the, oh, all the stuff dude, that comes with that same. stuff. So I'm very weak against those 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 uh whatever those uh i don't know what to call them but anyways i i i, I tend to be in early generation. vibes 
those yes, holiday vibes, yes. Dom. Those straight up holiday vibes. It also it doesn't help that we just start, you know, as we mentioned with with Ethan during the top four November things last week. Uh, it doesn't help that you know you start seeing Christmas stuff in the stores in like mid October now, just like all just like kickstarts that sort of holiday feeling. And so, like, once November 1st rolls around, it feels like it's been there for a while. So, like, why not? It's after it's after Halloween. Why not, you know, put up the put up the tree, put up the lights, play the Christmas music. I'm very pro that. Yeah. When, you know, look, it like Thanksgiving, modern Thanksgiving, maybe this is a good thing, but modern Thanksgiving isn't like a holiday that I feel has like the strongest identity. So it, it does feel like it's very much like preamble to Christmas. Even though Christmas literally has it's just a holiday that's preamble Absolutely. to it. Yes. Yeah. So hundred percent. Thanksgiving so it's is like, really just pre-Christmas. Yeah. You can't really help it. Like part of it's like you have the same weather conditions. It's already like within a month distance. You're kind of it's gift getting season, like Black Friday, all that. So it mm-hmm. I don't know. It is what it is. For sure. Yeah. We uh we put up the Christmas lights uh, at our house last weekend. But it really was more of like a let's get this done before it's 20 degrees and we'll be absolutely <laughs> miserable doing this uh, type situation. We'll do it while it was still nice. But, yeah, it's a good feeling getting to turn those on at night and watch them go. I'm not going to lie. I take, I take a lot of enjoyment out of it. A lot of my neighbors put their Christmas lights up, but they haven't turned them on yet. So I know that they're probably those people who, like, wait until after Thanksgiving. But I was like, right away, that first night, these are going on. And these are going on every night until, like, January. For sure. Nice. All right. So enough of the Christmas talk. You'll hear a lot of more of that uh, on the show, I'm sure, as we move closer and closer to the holidays. Uh, but let's get into some soccer talk, because as we get closer to the holiday, we also get to the MLS Cup playoffs. Now, a little bit later on, in lieu of a top four segment, we're going to do a little bracketology for you. Soccer bracketology. Everybody talks about bracketology in March when we get the college basketball NCAA tournament, but we're going to do MLS playoff bracketology a little bit later on. So stay tuned in for that. And in addition to our interview with uh, St. Cloud State coach Sean Holmes and midfielder Emmanuel Iwe. But before we do that, we're going to get into the headlines like we always do. And of course, on being Minnesota United drawing 3-3 with the LA Galaxy in the most chaotic, anxiety-inducing fashion possible. Classic Minnesota sports here, not just getting into the playoffs, but really making it the most uncomfortable possible experience for their fans down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll talk about this in more detail as we go, and, and there'll be more prompts about this, but like decision day for the West for those sort of two last two or so spots was probably the craziest decision day period that I can think of in the last couple of seasons in MLS. Like it was just so sure. manic and so changing constantly. Even the top, even who was finishing top was changing quite a bit with uh, Seattle leading and then equalizing all that. It, it was just so constant in change. Um, and obviously RSL sneaking in at the end in such eventful style with the extra time goal. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, it was a day to remember for sure. And uh, Minnesota got the job done, but as you pointed out, they, they probably could have got it done in a cleaner way. <laughs> in the beginning of the match, when Minnesota United was like up one nil, 
uh, you know, and you see all those table changes. It's like, I, I live for that stuff from like a very objective fan standpoint. Like I love like, Oh, this, this person scored. So now they're the five seed and this stuff's all going crazy and, and changing. And it's like, that's awesome when your team is kind of like solidly in that mix. But when you hear John Strong break into the broadcast in stoppage time saying, RSL scores, RSL scores, I'm thinking, and they, they initially were only talking about how that affected the Galaxy because that knocked the Galaxy out of the playoffs, knocked them from like the sixth seed all the way out. But then I, I was like trying to do the math in my head. I'm like, wait a second. That, like if, if the Galaxy score going to go all in on scoring, obviously, because they need to get a goal to see hopes if they score we're done like minnesota's out then and then they eventually brought that up on the broadcast too that that, that it really had ramifications for minnesota too so and then, then of course la selling sending everyone forward they got like three or four good chances in that stoppage time too and so you're literally holding your breath for like eight straight minutes if you're minnesota united but you end up getting it done but of course of course it can't be easy, Dom. It has to happen in just the most like fist clenching, <laughs> like, like table pounding, like, Oh, like that's like literally takes years off your life type scenario. Yeah. And you know, talk about the, 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 the late penalty miss. You talk about the, uh, Chicharito just deciding to suddenly find his uh, early season form again and be really, really, really good for the Galaxy. I mean, he was he was a cheat code on Sunday. He yeah. was literally calling for a handball as he was kicking in the rebound <laughs> to score the goal. Like yeah. that's just like crazy. Yeah, his transition from doing the the you know sort of the classic like slapping your forearm complaint about a handball to then in like half a second scoring prop one potentially his best goal of the season was pretty impressive like mm -hmm. I, I i was not aware that people could do that so credit to him for showing me that but yeah no it, it was a stressful night even though there were periods of time where it felt quite under control um especially at the end you hear about the rsl goal you have us miss that penalty you start to do the math uh chicharito's having quite a night it, it really started to stack up at the end which i suppose then then leads me to give credit to minnesota united for sticking through it and, and surviving um, but I, I, I definitely would have liked to have seen a little more of a, of a calm performance because it felt like at times that's what we were going to get, uh, with, mm -hmm. with taking the lead with the way we were playing at times, the way we were scoring goals was actually quite good and cohesive. Um, yeah. So mixed feelings a little bit with that result going into, into the playoffs, but obviously a happy ending at the end. Yeah, and I, I knew L.A. would come in as the more desperate team, obviously. They needed they needed a result to uh, to solidify their playoff spot. Um, but in all likelihood, coming in, the way that things were sort of shaking out, they probably came in with the mentality that they needed three points to solidify their playoff positioning because you don't necessarily want to leave it up to chance. And Minnesota United just just needed the draw. Even with the loss, there was a chance they could have gotten in. We know now that they wouldn't have gotten in had they lost. Uh, but there was definitely more, I think, pressure on the Galaxy. I mean, you missed the playoffs four out of the last five seasons. You're the LA freaking Galaxy. Like, I definitely think they were going to come in and sort of push forward a little more. 
And they, they didn't necessarily do that in the first half. They sort of just kind of sat back and let Minnesota just sort of have their way with them, which is exactly how they played against Minnesota when they came to Allianz Field a month or so ago. Literally just let Emmanuel Reynoso do whatever they wanted with them. And so I, I'm, it's weird to me that they didn't make an adjustment, but also didn't play like a team who desperately needed to score goals and win to win the game. Um, and then all of a sudden in the second half, they flipped that switch and they become the more desperate team. And when a team with that much attacking quality is playing with a desperate attacking intensity, it's tough. It's tough to stop. Um, it's really, really good that you were sort of spotted a two goal lead because uh, who's where that would have been had you not. But credit to Minnesota as well. I mean, their front four are playing the, the best that they have been all season long right now. And I think it's no secret and it's not a coincidence that, that at a time when they're able to get on the field in back-to-back-to-back matches together, that cohesiveness. Um, I think there was a stat that I think the Dummy Roundcast, our friends over there, put out a stat today that – when those four are on the field or when three of the four are on the field at the same time, Minnesota United uh, in terms of goals per game, fourth in the league. And if you were, and for the, I think if you extrapolate the points that they got in the 17 games that they were together, if you extrapolate that out to the rest of the season, they would have finished, I think, second in the league. So it's really well, you, you see the quality when those guys are together, just three of the four, not even necessarily all four, just three of the four. Uh, you right. see how well Minnesota United can do, and you see that potential. Um, and you saw it on, against the Galaxy. Unfortunately, you couldn't necessarily finish the job and get three points. But at the same time, it really does induce a little bit of confidence going into Portland now, who you know, haven't necessarily been the same dominant Portland Timbers side that we're used to seeing in years past, they seem really vulnerable this year. Yeah, they clinched the four spot. They were on a pretty good run of form at the end of the season. But when I look at this playoff matchup now, I see something that's pretty winnable for Minnesota United if that front four can keep that quality. Yeah, and, you know, something that just popped in my, my head talking about the front four and and the positive statistics about about them is, you know, you think about this last game, a couple inches difference and Fragapane scores that penalty and like those statistics only become better. <laughs> so, you know, small margins uh, went against them and still it looks quite good. So uh, yeah, no, I mean, they've been very impressive on, on the Portland note. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, Portland ended up being relatively secure in that, that fourth place spot by the end of the season, but that team also went through some, some, some highs and lows through the year, almost like Minnesota, where, you know, obviously uh, uh, United had a hard start to the season and improved over time. Uh, Portland also weren't necessarily sailing through the whole year. So it'll be interesting to see two teams who have had some ups and downs, both kind of hit good strides at the end, um, how how they match up. Uh, you know, obviously Portland has a certain reputation at home for for quality, but this season that hasn't necessarily always been true. Uh, and Minnesota has often thrived on high pressure situations. So it, it's, it's definitely going to be a, a very interesting matchup. Uh, I, I know Portland's back line has had some rotation this year. There's been a lot of change uh, week to week. Mm-hmm. And that actually stems all the way back to last season, um, 2020. But, you know, I, I see that. Uh, and I wonder, is there room for Minnesota to take advantage 
of of the uh, lack of consistency and the lack of uh, maintained for, for for that back line. Um, you know, especially now that that we have that front four or three that are really thriving together. Uh, I think it'd be a very exciting matchup, and and I, I definitely agree with a lot of people who were saying like this seemed like the best, uh, it, other than Minnesota, obviously like finishing like in the top two. Um, this seemed like the best overall outcome to end up having to to go to Portland for this game. Yeah, I was I was saying before the match, I'm like you 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 go for the win here because um, playing Portland is so much different than playing Colorado, Kansas City, or Seattle. Like there is a there's a there's a a difference in points there for a reason. Like there's a drop off in the table there for a reason. Like those teams at the top three were um, on another level this season in the Western Conference. Um, and so I think you wanted that Portland matchup. If you could get it, you got it. Um, I uh, Adrian Anu scoring um, against the Galaxy is is big. Cause I think he really kind of uh, rides a wave of confidence um, for better or worse. So going into the playoffs now coming off a goal, I think it was his uh, third goal in four matches or something like that too. Um, so he in, in some of his best form of the season, he's been very up and down, but he's kind of riding a high at the moment. Obviously Robin Lud scores, you know what you're going to get with Robin Lud, One of the most consistent players Minnesota United, I think has ever seen in their MLS tenure. Um, so matchup with a lot of confidence you're going to that matchup with with your attacking front playing well um you can't say the same necessarily for the goalkeeper in goal over the last few matches uh the broader sample size of the season will tell you that he's been solid and he has and even showed some good moments against the galaxy i think i tweeted as the best he's having the best worst game right now because it really was uh, you know, some good moments, but also some, you know, a couple of uh, moments of indecision that could have cost Minnesota United a lot more when they did. So um, hopefully he can sort of take this break to maybe get his, get his confidence back, uh, do whatever he has to do, because they are going to need the, the Tyler Miller that we've seen all season long, if they're going to make a run here. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that, that uh, from just Miller's point of view, and I have no idea how much this actually plays into his mind. I don't know him, but it's an interesting little narrative to ride along on that this match and then his next match are essentially him having to play the, the, the deepest hated rivals of his two former teams. Uh, obviously, he was with LAFC yeah. for a while, and the Galaxy, of course, are, are on the other end of that rivalry. But people sometimes forget that he was a largely unused bench keeper for, uh, for Seattle before that. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, he's traveling to Portland. So it's kind of interesting, this little uh, trial by by fire or whatever you want to call it that, that he's going through in order to potentially earn some playoff glory. But uh, yeah, look, obviously the last couple of games, there's been some, some scary moments for him. Uh, he is clearly a very good goalkeeper overall. He's shown that at Minnesota and, and at LAFC. Uh, the, the form is in him somewhere to be, you know, a, a piece that can really help guide a team through, uh, through, through, through games, through potentially a playoff run. Um, but obviously that hasn't quite been there recently. Uh, I guess I would hope that getting over the line, getting into the playoffs, getting that drama over with will help him find that settle and, and kind of get back into, into gear. 
that's that's conjecture. I don't I don't know you know what his thought process is, but I would like to think that potentially that will help him maybe find the uh, the higher level he was playing at for Minnesota at times and for other teams at times. So that first round match against Portland Sunday, that's November 21st, 4.30 p.m. is the start time. You can catch that on ESPN. Of course, you can catch Post Loons following the match. I think we may have a few other pieces of content, uh, maybe uh, like a pregame, uh, pregame Twitter spaces or something as well um, centered around that first round matchup. Um, also, really cool, Sun Country is chartering a flight from Minnesota to Portland for Wonderwall members and Loons fans who want to make the trip, which is really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, general ticket prices from Minnesota to Portland for flights were crazy. I think they were like three, 400 bucks. Um, so Sun Country stepped in, Minnesota United stepped in and set something up where uh, I think it's a $90 round trip for Loons fans to go to Portland for the game. You got to go out and back same day. But, I mean, you save a lot of money in the process. And if you're Minnesota United, that means you can get three, 400, you know, Loons fans in Providence Park, which, I mean, could play could play a factor. You don't know. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, to be to be frank, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that obviously there's been a couple of moments this year where uh, the team and and, ask, and parts of the fan base have had uh, there's been discussions and issues and, and complicated conversations going on. Um, so, you know, this is probably a, a, a good effort to maintain um, communication, maintain positivity mm-hmm. and kind of heal maybe um from the team so yeah and and yeah it's a decent price um the turnaround obviously is is a bit tight but you know a lot of people that do away games in mls have to deal with that either way so uh i'm sure the people that are interested are going to be okay with that but uh yeah hopefully hopefully there's a good crowd there uh, just want to touch on this real quick. So that's it for the Minnesota United talk. Uh, we will do a little bit more of a, a preview of the Portland match next week. Maybe we'll try to get Jacob Schneider uh, from Zone Coverage and MLSsoccer.com to, to join us to break down uh, that playoff match against Portland. But we're going to move on from that. Uh, just wanted to give a quick update. So we talked a little bit about uh, Ford Madison's decision to relieve Carl Craig of his duties as manager and technical director last week. There is an updated story from our buddy Rob Chappell from Madison365 on Madison365.com, which includes quotes from the club's you know player referee liaison, Benny Delgado. You get goalkeeper Phil Brino commenting on it. Um, now former president of the Flock Supporters Group, Andrew Schmidt, offering his thoughts as well. So um, really, really cool, well-rounded look at the overall reaction to, um, the, to Ford Madison deciding to move in another direction. Um, so you can check that out over at Madison365.com. Just wanted to give our buddy Rob a shout out there. But now we're going to move into the college ranks. NSIC, the Northern Sun Intercollegiate Conference. Uh, their tournament first round is complete. Uh, the top eight teams in the regular season table got in, and now we know what those semifinal matchups are going to be. Uh, so Minnesota State beat Mary 1-0, Bemidji State 2-0 over Northern State, Augustana with a 2-1 win over St. Cloud State, and Concordia St. Paul blanked uh, Minot State 1-0. So the semifinals on Friday are Minnesota State Mankato against Augustana. That's at 11 a.m., and then it wraps up with Bemidji State versus Concordia St. Paul at 2 p.m. So – like I said, we're getting down to the nitty gritty here uh, with the NSIC conference tournament. Um, and then obviously the D2 um, NCAA tournament will be coming right after. Yeah. And, you know, 
uh, obviously both these matchups are exciting. I, I particularly am really interested to see just, again, how far this Bemidji program can go. We've yeah. talked about um, when uh, when Matt was on, we, we talked a bit uh, during that as well. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of interesting things going on with that program. And obviously they're quite good. They've had a, a good year. So mm-hmm. uh, I want to, you know, I'm interested to see how they do in this and, and if they, they do make it to the end, uh, how they would potentially do in an NCAA situation. Totally agree. I mean, that's the team to beat. That's the team that I think, um, you know, goes into the D2 playoffs, the D2 tournament um, with the best chance to win from a Minnesota squad. I mean, no, no disrespect to any other teams. Minnesota State will probably also get into the D2 tournament. Um, you know, Augustana, Concordia, St. Paul will probably have to win an SIC tournament to punch their tickets. So, uh, but yeah, I've, I'm really interested to see if this Bemidji team can kind of show it's been a little bit underrated on the national radar. I think we both kind of have made that declaration in our own way on this show that we think they're a little bit underrated nationally. Um, and so they have their chance to prove it when that uh, NCAA tournament comes around. Um, you know who's not? I, I guess we could call them underrated. They're definitely not overrated. But as far as this podcast goes, uh, I think we very, very properly rate them in terms of just gushing about how great they are. And that is our friends over at Stimulus Athletic. Jason Mora is the owner and founder of Stimulus. If that name sounds familiar, he is synonymous with Minnesota soccer history. And um, he is sort of taking that next step in his post-playing career to make sure that he can get players not only here locally, uh, but also nationally, players, programs, teams, clubs, quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices. That is Jason's mission with Stimulus Athletic. He's done it here locally with Joy Athletic, with uh, Valora FC, with a little team called Minneapolis City that you might have heard of. Um, But he also has done it nationally with Tulsa Athletic and the Anguilla national team from an international level. So um, you're talking about local, national, international clubs, all choosing Stimulus Athletic, and it all comes down to that quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices. So if you are interested, go to StimulusAthletic.com, click that Get Started button, let them know Jeremy and Dom from 10K sent you. But also, kind of the next thing here is that they are getting into the athleisure game. Now, if you don't know what athleisure apparel is, it's basically stuff you can wear no matter the situation. You can wear it to the gym, you can wear it to the bar, you can wear it to your couch. It really is very well-rounded apparel. Um, and I've been trying this stuff on. Jason has sort of used me as, as his sizing guinea pig uh, to try some of this stuff on. Um, and it's it's comfortable. It's like It's amazing stuff. Um, so once that comes out, keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on stimulusathletic.com. Follow them on all the social media channels. And just keep an eye on when that stuff comes out because you're going to want to grab it because it's good stuff. Um, they will be launching also a merch store uh, in conjunction with this sort of athleisure line and some more retail stuff that they're doing. Um, that merch store is going to be right next to our friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee there in Northeast Minneapolis. And speaking of Minneapolis City, the Stimulus Athletic Store is also going to house the new Minneapolis City Club Store as well. So a lot of great stuff, a lot of exciting stuff going on with our friends at Stimulus. So make sure you ch- make sure make sure you check them out at StimulusAthletic.com. Um, if you are interested in getting some gear for your club, make sure you click that Get Started button and let them know that Jeremy and Dom from 10K sent you so we get the credit. All right. Uh, moving on here, Dom. 
sticking, I guess we're sticking with the college soccer theme. We're just moving down one level to the D3 level. Um, the D3 tournament is beginning uh, this weekend. And Minnesota and Wisconsin teams are involved in this D3 tournament. You got the UWS women traveling to St. Catharines. That is a UMAC versus MIAC matchup in the first round of the D3 tournament. Very, very cool. That is on Saturday. Also Saturday, the Wisconsin Superior men travel to Wash U. Um, or they're, they're playing them in Chicago. So they're playing Wash U in Chicago. Wash U is from St. Louis. They're playing them in Chicago. Um, that's on Saturday as well. And then Carlton College from the Mayak will travel to North Park in Chicago. Um, that will be on Saturday too. Um, Dom, I'm just going to ask you transparent here. Is this a typo in the notes? Are they, is, are the UWS men going to Chicago to play Wash U or are they going down to St. Louis? Uh, they're going to Chicago. I mean, that's what they said. Okay. Perfect. So, okay. All right. Maybe they're lying. Fair enough. Good to know. No. <laughs> maybe we'll see uh okay so both those matches with the uws in chicago against WashU and north park respectively all right dom before we get into bracketology which is what we know you all are waiting for um we are going to go ahead and tell you uh about uh all of the great um state tournament matchups that happened this uh this weekend the state championship matchups um actually it's down in the notes here, Don, giving out my struggle bus of the week to who uh, scheduled the girls' slate state championship games because um, I, who, I don't know who Stillwater played, but I do know the Stillwater girls. Their state championship match was at 8 o'clock in the morning at U.S. Bank Stadium. It was. Yeah. An 8 a.m. kickoff, Dom. You're asking yeah, they- high school girls – you know, high school, high schoolers to get up yeah. at 530 a.m. to play in a state championship soccer match. What are we doing? Pretty wild. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I understand they had a lot to schedule into a day. So, I, you know, it, maybe that's just how it had to be. But from the perspective of those players and anybody that wanted to go watch that match, that's that's pretty wild. But you know, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, it so, didn't stop Stillwater. If I'm not mistaken, Dom, they they cram they crammed all the state championship games into one day. They crammed them all on a Saturday, right? Yeah, onto the into the the sixth sixth of of November. Yep. Why not extend that? Make it two days. Just make sure you're playing on a Vikings yeah. road game week. I mean, I'm sure they insist on doing it on a Vikings. Vikings road game week anyways because you wouldn't want them on the field on Saturday and then having the Vikings trying to you know play on that same field on Sunday you're already doing it on an off week so why not make it a Saturday and Sunday thing you know why, why are you trying to cram yeah. all these games into one day when you could just make it kind of a full weekend no I I I, I agree like that that would make more sense or the other option which wouldn't work because it gets rid of the attraction of the venue would be to, you know, have these in a venue that could host multiple games or something. Um, but uh, with multiple fields, but uh, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe this is something that they are working on over time to potentially change um, because it is, it is pretty, uh, it's pretty rough to, to have to wake up like you were pointing out. You know, you're not waking up at 7.30 for that game. You're waking up hours before, potentially for travel as well. Yeah. 
Uh, but then to warm up, get ready, you know, do do all the things you need to do before you play a, a, a competitive game of of any sport. Uh, yeah, it, it it's pretty rough. Uh, I, I I guess for the Stillwater girls that won it, maybe that'll be a extra badge of honor for them to know that they managed to get through that. But uh, it would probably be nice if next year if nobody had to get through it. Lift the trophy and then go to uh <laughs> go to the shop for breakfast or something. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, man. It's rough. Okay. Yeah, they need to figure they need to figure something out because I mean, I don't know. That just doesn't seem doesn't seem right. Uh anyways, okay. So who are our state champions uh in addition to the Stillwater High School girls? Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll start with with the girls' side. So uh class A mini ha mini ha. I can't say mini haha. Mini haha academy uh beat uh Breck uh 4-2. So they won uh class A. Class double A went to Monomidae. Uh, they won three one over uh, Benilde St. Margaret's, and then Stillwater beat uh, Centennial for the AAA title, as we were already discussing there. Uh, and then uh, for boys, Southwest Christian won three zero in the uh, single A final over St. Paul uh, Humboldt Open World Learning. Double uh, A Orono beat Academy of Holy Angels one zero, close game there. Uh, and then Triple A, this was at least scoreline wise, seems like it was the most exciting of the games. Uh, Moundsview, 3 2 over uh, Rosemont. So, seemed like a pretty back and forth game. Uh, but uh, uh, Moundsview ends up getting the uh, Triple the A title out of that one. Very cool. Congratulations to everybody for even you know making it to the state championship. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, but also, obviously, to the to all the winners and all the state champs. I mean, finally getting back to sort of having giving these kids the opportunity to lift the trophy at us bank stadium or given the opportunity to play for a trophy at us bank stadium. Um, very cool. Uh, very good stuff. All right. So you have been waiting for bracketology. We were going to throw our interview with Sean Holmes and Emmanuel Eway in before bracket, but we know this is what you're waiting for. So we will close <laughs> the show with the interview. And we will do bracketology now. So what is bracketology? If you if you don't follow college basketball, they make this whole, you know, event surrounding the NCAA tournament about filling out your bracket, picking which teams are going to win which matchups all the way from the first round to the championship. Um, it's a big deal. I'm, I, I'm a sucker for it every year, too, as a big college basketball fan myself. Um, so we're going to kind of take that same energy that same uh method uh and we're going to apply it here to the mls cup playoffs now we don't have 68 teams in the mls cup playoffs obviously but we do have 14 so dom i am going to go um how do you want to do this do you want us to all kind of go through our first rounds and go round by round or do you want us to pick the same game back to back what do you want us to do here hmm um oh man let let's let's maybe just do game by game okay we'll do round we'll do round by round round round. (laughs) what are we doing uh all right let's let's do whatever you're about to say let's go game by game i'm going to defer to your logic on this okay okay let's go game by game um and so we will start on the we're going to save portland minnesota for last in the first round sure okay uh so we're going to start over on the eastern conference side um so this is on sunday at 2 p.m or 1 p.m central time 
on ABC. It's the four seed in the East, NYCFC, uh, hosting the five seed, Atlanta United. Interesting matchup. I think NYC, um, they had the Golden Boot winner. Um, you know, they've been one of the most impressive teams, I think, in terms of where people thought they would finish to where they ended up finishing. Um, you know, they're playing at home at Yankee Stadium. I believe the game's going to be at Yankee. Um, and that's just a weird pitch. Like, it's not a full-size pitch because they can't have a full-size pitch at Yankee Stadium. Uh, but Atlanta is coming into this one in really, really good form. So I think this is going to be a pretty incredible matchup. Uh, with me, I always like picking the upsets. I'm a big upset special guy. So I'm going to go with the five over the four here. Um, I'm going to pick the, t- the team in the form, Atlanta, going on the road to a weird environment at Yankee Stadium and coming away with a win to move on to uh, take on the revolution. I I absolutely agree with you. I, uh, I you know, New York, uh, NYC have, have had a very good year. Had a couple uh, stutter points, but but overall a very good year. But uh, I just feel like ever since Atlanta kind of figured out the coaching situation, figured out some personnel situations, they've just overall seemed really really capable of getting out of a big game with uh, with a result. And uh, on my my bias point of view, I I, I think uh, Joseph Martinez looks really ready to uh, to have a big playoff run. He scored a unbelievable mm-hmm. rules on Cincinnati on decision day. Um, so I, 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 I think it'll probably be a close game. I don't think it's going to be a blow up by either side, but I think Atlanta probably escape, you know, two, one win or something like that. Yeah. I think, I think I like Joseph Martinez considering he was out last season and, and some of the, you know, the, the, the lack of opportunity he's had to contribute over the last year. So uh, I, I think, I think he's gonna be chomping at the bit. And I think you know you could see him you know put up a couple goals, maybe even uh, maybe even a, a Hattie, if you will, uh, against NYC. So we will wait and see. But yeah, I think we're both going with Atlanta United there. Um, moving on to uh, the Tuesday matchup, um, Nashville and Orlando. Now Nashville is going to buck a trend here for better or worse, Dom. Um, Eighteen draws during the season for Nashville SC, but they cannot draw this one um, against Orlando. Uh, people were really, really high on Orlando coming into the year. Um, they've shown glimpses of kind of that team that we kind of thought they would be. But all in all, I think a disappointing season for Oscar Perea's side. Um, Nashville, on the other side, I think kind of exceeded expectations. Um, even with the 18 draws, getting the getting the three seed in the East, they have the home field advantage. Um, I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to go. You know you may kind of will probably have more experience. Um, This is, you know, I mean, Nashville made the playoffs last year, but I mean, everybody made the playoffs in the Eastern conference last year. (laughs) Uh, So uh, (laughs) I think, I think I'm going to go with Nashville in this one. Okay. Interesting. Um, Yeah. You know, this is a weird one and Nashville are a weird one to me because I mean, as you noted, um, they overall had a good year. Uh, you know, we're, we're quite good for, for lawn stretches and they have some very good attacking players. Um, I have, for me, Nashville though, they just feel like they're really, really, really good at averageness. Like I, I'm not sure how the way they 
excelled at the regular season, how that um, suits them in a playoff format. And my thing with, you know, you're, you're right that Orlando have had some stretches that were pretty disappointing considering the potential of that team. But when they've been good and when, uh, when DK's been kind of feeling it and, and when Nani's been available and, you know, when, when, the, when their key pieces have been able to participate, um, they've looked really good. And I just think that they'll, they'll, they'll slip something through and that they'll, they'll come away with a win here. Uh, I just think that, and maybe it'll be a post-regulation time situation. You know, maybe it'll be a situation where Nashville usually gets to walk away with a draw, and they don't get to this <laughs> time, and they don't get to say, "Oh, it's a point," and all of a sudden it's PKs or whatever. I, I just, I just see it not quite working out. So I'm, I'm going with Orlando. I'm actually not 100 percent sure because I, I think all the uh, all the wagers you can make on soccer, at least most of them, are like based off like 90 minutes like not necessarily what happens in extra time or penalty kicks. Um, so I wonder if that's the case in the playoffs. And I wonder if you can still take a draw, you know, after 90, um, cause I would definitely take that in this one, but anyways, um, so I'm going with Nashville. You're going with Orlando, uh, the final matchup in the Eastern conference, first round, uh, the two seed Philadelphia, uh, and then the seven seed, the red bulls of New York, uh, the fighting Caden Clarks over there up in, uh, in New Jersey, they said the Red Bull, New York, but come on, there, they're in New Jersey. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think to me, this is an easy one. I'm assuming we'll both be in agreement on this one. Um, Philadelphia, yeah, I, they're just this is kind of their window. Like this is this is when you look at ebbs and flows of of teams throughout, you know, a longer term. If you have your years where you're down. Um, Philadelphia is definitely on the upswing. And I think some of these players are really going, and Jim Curtin obviously are, are looking at this and saying, you know, we won the supporter shield last year, uh, but we didn't get it done in the playoffs. Um, I think there's going to be a bit of a, of like a revenge tour for Philadelphia here in the playoffs in 2021. I think uh, there'll be a team really, really motivated to make a deep run and try to get that MLS cup that eluded them last year. So um, I think Philly wins this one. Um, and I think they make a statement. I think this is three nil four one type type match. I have a very similar feeling about this game. Um, I think you had a, a great point. It was something I was thinking about as well as, you know, the, the Philly side that won the shield last season uh, was really, really good. And I, I know for a fact that it bothered the hell out of them, that they got knocked out of the playoffs right away. Um and and that they knew that it you know if they had just figured that one game out, they probably could have made it quite far. Um, I I have a lot of confidence that this team can make a really deep run, and uh, they have a you know they have fantastic players in in so many positions. Uh, Blake is just generally probably one of the great goalkeepers of Concacaf. Uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of of uh, Jose Martinez, uh, the Venezuelan international, one of the top defensive midfielders in the league in my opinion they got aronson jr you know doing his thing um they just have so many options so many different talents to work with i i I like the red bulls um they have a lot of good young players but i i think that the red bulls trophy this year is that they made the playoffs i don't think that that they're really going to contend for anything and uh yeah i think philadelphia are probably going to toss them aside 
Yeah, as good as the top of the Eastern Conference was, when you got Philadelphia there, uh, the bottom of the Eastern Conference is very, very yikes this year. Very, very yikes. Uh, there's a big, big drop off. So yeah, I think uh, I think Philadelphia gets it done. I don't think they let the same thing that happened last year happen this year. I think the pressure's off for Philly too, not having that supporter shield to necessarily defend. Right? It's really, really tough to do the double. Really, really tough to do the double. Um, so I think they kind of have that pressure off. I think it's kind of perfect storm scenario for Philly, um, which I think is kind of a prelude to kind of some of those deeper round matchups in terms of where we think those are going to go. Uh, but let's move on the West. We're going to start at the bottom of the Western conference bracket, seven seed RSL, two seed Seattle Sounders. Of course, RSL getting in at the very, very end of decision day, scoring a stoppage time winner, uh, against sporting Kansas city and getting lucky. Actually, uh, I believe after the winner, um, there was a handball that was not called and uh, pro went back in VAR, you know, the, the post, the post VAR decision type things that they put out um, said that there should have been a handball called on RSL and sporting Kansas city should have had a penalty kick to get the equalizer there deeper in stoppage time. Didn't happen. Uh, RSL comes away with the win. So they're in the playoffs in that seven seed against the two seed Seattle Sounders uh, going into Seattle is, is just not an easy feat. What a, what speaking of feats though, what a feat for RSL to even make the playoffs considering just how tumultuous and how crazy this year has been from an organizational standpoint. Um, I can't applaud the in such a competitive Western conference. Uh, but I think this is kind of where that, where that dream ends. I think this is where the road ends for them uh, going to Seattle um, just, we, we've seen, we've seen what Seattle could do to Minnesota United this season, right? Um, they're on another level. I think, um, we already talked about those top three teams in the West, how they're kind of on a different level. Seattle, obviously one of them. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't see how RSL can go into Seattle and come away with that win. I think the Sounders win this one. Okay. I, I, I totally get your thinking. Um, one, one thing I'll say just quick, because, you know, for obvious reasons, you talked about it. With RSL, with the, the the PK that wasn't called and so on, you know, there's been some people who have been critical because obviously if that had been called, they potentially don't end up in the playoffs. In a world where Tim Melia can slam dunk people and get like no card, I, I, I think we've just we have to accept. I think we have to accept that these calls do or you know do or don't get made sometimes in this league, and that's just the world we live in. So you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm not complaining at all, Dom. I am no, yeah, no, one I know you aren't, but there's some people, uh, you know, they're probably all Super League <laughs> Galaxy fans um, that are complaining about, you know, uh, <laughs> pro basically decided, you know, who gets in the playoffs. That's not my opinion. But. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, you're probably right that Seattle's going to win this, but for the sake of content, for the sake of narrative building, I, I, I have a little bit of a, of a feeling that maybe RSO makes something really crazy happy happen here only because obviously seattle mm -hmm. end the season a very disappointing uh, uh road draw to vancouver um who are not necessarily an amazing team um rsl have a little bit of magic in their feet obviously off of that big win uh, against a rival also um for some reason i feel like maybe this turns into and i'm i'm forgetting what year it was it was the year that christian ramirez played for lafc which i want to say was maybe 2019, um, RSL went there to LAFC and knocked them out of the playoffs. 
and it was completely unpredicted. No one saw it coming. LAFC were supposed to win the league that year, and mm-hmm. um, they got knocked out at home. And I know it's a slightly different group, RSL now, but in a weird way, it's not that different of a group. They have a lot of the same players, actually. And I just I wonder if maybe they find that energy to go to a really hostile stadium full of fans, very, very energetic fans, and just find the right moments and create an upset. So I'm going to I'm going to go for the Hail Mary and say RSL. All right. Um, My upset special is actually coming in our next our next uh, next match here, Dom Um, Vancouver Sporting Kansas City. I don't know. And again, people who watch MLS from a wider lens from league as a whole may uh, may come after me in the Twitter mentions here. Um, I don't know if there's a team coming into the playoffs in worse form than Sporting KC. Uh, They really sputtered down the stretch, uh, including that uh, that uh, loss to RSL on decision day. And to me, I could really see that bleeding into the playoffs. Um, Vancouver is a team who, you know, they're not the flashiest team. They don't have necessarily the superstars, uh, but they have just found ways over the last couple months to grind out results and get themselves in the playoffs. Um, It's a gritty team, man. And I don't know. I, I, I can really, similar as you can see RSL going into Seattle, I can see Vancouver going down to Sporting Kansas City and getting it done. Um, I think Sporting Kansas City, um, I think their fans don't necessarily feel that um, that Children's Mercy Park is necessarily the fortress it has been. Um, credit, a lot of credit to Minnesota United for going in there last year and beating the breaks off them 3-0 in the playoffs. Um, so I don't know. I think there's a lot of seeds of doubt that are being sown in Sporting Kansas City right now. Um, and I could see Vancouver taking full advantage of that. So I'm going to pick Vancouver. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. Um, I am going I am going to rebuke one thing you said, which is that Vancouver doesn't have any stars. I don't know if you know this. They have Brian White, and he can finish no matter what. But uh, yeah, I I, I think that that's true. Uh, that's true. Even while thinking yeah. of the Queen, you're absolutely right. How could I forget? <laughs> I think that to your point, you know, uh, Kansas City. Uh, overall had a good season they didn't end it on a very good note and they just showed a lot of weaknesses overall points to hit them on uh and you know we, we've seen uh multiple players in their roster show an inability to control themselves physically on the on the pitch uh in the last couple of weeks and of course we also just seen results not go their way uh vancouver meanwhile looked like a, like a team that really wants to make something happen this year and uh I, I don't think it's going to be like a Minnesota United result where it's super one-sided, but I, I actually agree that Vancouver might slip like a, a close win out of this. Um, I just feel like they have more momentum, maybe a little more belief. I also think the, 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 the ghost of T- Tim Melia's past, present, and future are going to visit him, and there's going to be some reconciliation that has to happen. And uh, maybe uh, that's another thing. I feel like just like (laughs) karma is coming for Sporting Kansas City right now. I really do. I really think they're like a lot of their chickens are coming home to roost right now at the worst possible time. And I can see Vancouver just taking full advantage. Or they completely like to turn heel and make it to the final, and everyone wants them to lose. (laughs) It's one of those two things. I'm I'm uh, a wrestling fan. I love a good heel turn. Yeah. 
So we'll see. But yeah, I, I anyway, to the point, I agree with you that Vancouver wins. All right. So you got the six, seven matchup in the second round. Nice. Um, yeah. All right. So we're going to finish off our first round of predictions with your Minnesota United taking on the Portland Timbers. Um, again, this is Sunday, 430 on ESPN. Um, I, there's a lot of reasons like Minnesota United in this one, I think. Um, first of all, I think we've already talked about in the attacking fronts coming in in really good form. They have absolutely owned Portland over these last few years. Um, I think they haven't lost in their last seven matches against the Timbers. Um, they've gone down, they've gone to Portland twice in the last two seasons and beat them. Uh, so there's just a lot of, I don't know. There's a lot of confidence going into this one. I almost feel like there's almost too much confidence, right? Like it's, it's, it's too good to be true. Um, and to that point, Portland is due to beat Minnesota United, right? So maybe this is the time, but, um, that's really the only reason I would pick Portland is because they're due. I think everything else, not even necessarily from a subjective Minnesota United fan standpoint, but just looking at the, trying to look at this game from an objective lens. Um, I think a lot of the areas where Minnesota United has, has really thrived are a lot of the areas where Portland has really, really uh, shown weakness and shown some gaps over the larger course of the season. They have not been that same unbeatable Timbers team, that same, that's it. But they're kind of one of those teams that seems to always show up in the playoffs too, no matter how the regular season goes. Um, but for the sake of of keeping the interest on this uh, on this bracketology in this podcast, I'm going to take Minnesota United over Portland. Yeah, uh, you know you, you make good points about about Portland, and and I agree that that's the team you always have to be um, careful with in, in a playoff setting. Um, uh, the head coach uh, Gio Savarese has uh, one of the in his brief period uh, managing Portland or a couple seasons now has a, a great ability to make the playoffs I believe he's made the playoffs every season he's been in charge he's one of the only coaches one of a small group of MLS coaches to do that um, but ever since they lost that playoff final to Atlanta a couple years ago they've never really actually looked that great in the playoffs to me They've always made it necessarily, not necessarily thrive upon arriving. Um, and I agree that I just think Minnesota is strong in the points where Portland is is weak. And I just, I don't think that momentum or belief in, in playoff soccer is going to be enough for Portland to, to twist and turn those into positives. Um, and again, I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything like that, but I, I do think Minnesota probably walk away uh, maybe winning by like two goals and 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 relatively confidently. I just think this team is in a much better place than Portland is right now. All right. So you got the five, six, and seven moving on the second round in the in the West. All right, moving on to the East. So uh New England and for me, it's New England, I guess for both of us, it's New England against Atlanta United. Um and this is with the question here. This is this is on November 30th. So this is even a full week after these first-round matches are being played. So that's a very, very long layoff for New England. Uh, almost a four-week layoff for the Revs. Um, so that's a question of, will the layoff help or will the layoff hurt? Atlanta United, or whoever wins the NYCFC-Atlanta United game, is still getting nine days rest going into that match. So it's not like they're going to be battered or coming in on short rest. 
Um, and I think this layoff could hurt the Rebs. I think there's a lot going against the Rebs here. Yes, they're at home, uh, but they are the Supporter Shield winners, which has kind of been a bit of a curse in the MLS Cup playoffs. Um, Atlanta's in good form, um, and they'll they'll be coming in, you know, having played in the last three weeks. Uh, and I, I think that could be enough. I really do. I think that Atlanta could go into New England and come away with a win here. And I think that's what I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Atlanta over New England in the conference semis. Yeah, it's a tough one because, you know, we talked about um, at some point, uh, we talked, or maybe it was when we were talking about Philadelphia, the Philadelphia day, and we talked about how, you know, New England and the regular season this year have just been stupid good. I mean, ridiculously yeah. good. Um, but I, I think that you made a fair comparison uh to the union last or well you were referencing the supporter shield anyways and in my head I, that was a comparison to last year with the union who it's exactly yeah they looked pretty damn good the whole season and then uh you know they get the the playoff uh draw they play uh new england who were okay that year they weren't nearly as good as they are this year um and just completely pooped out you know they just completely can't they can't find their form at all I do wonder if New England suffer the same thing, uh, and especially you know playing Atlanta, who are a very good side. If 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 for whatever reason they were playing you know an Orlando or something instead, I would be maybe more confident in them. But Atlanta do feel like the kind of team that could take advantage of like an overly confident, overly rested side. Uh, so yeah, I'm watch us both be horribly wrong, and New England's going to win like five zero, but. I'm going to go with Atlanta. All right. So we both have Atlanta United advancing to the conference finals. Um, the next one, we have a difference in who we think is going to be in this next matchup. I have Nat against Philadelphia. You have Orlando against Philadelphia, but I don't necessarily think it's going to matter. Um, I'm going to take Philadelphia over Nashville again, unfinished business uh, from last year. Um, uh, Jim Curtin has been, you know, all in all a really good, um, you know, uh, Philadelphia has gained cup tournament experience. Um, and I think that could really help them in this setting as well. I just think a lot of things are working in Philly's favor. Uh, we talked about the Nashville Orlando matchup, not necessarily being a clash of the Titans either. Um, and I think whoever comes out of that one is going to be a massive, massive underdog against Philly. Um, so I am going to go with, uh, with the union. Yep, I agree. And, you know, I, I have obviously I have Orlando in that spot instead of Nashville. But uh, and I actually think Nashville would probably be better against Philadelphia. I just think they're not going to beat Orlando. But uh, but in my situation where it's Orlando, uh, yeah, I, I think, again, it's almost comparable to uh, not not to the same degree, but it's almost comparable to the to the Red Bulls matchup in the sense that I, I don't think Orlando is going to have a real shot at that. Um, I think, you know they'll probably put up maybe more of a fight than the rebels, but I still think Philadelphia probably end up breezing by that uh, to get to the conference finals. All right. So over to the Western conference. Now we're going to start with our bottom table matchup. Um, you have RSL and Vancouver. I have Seattle and Vancouver. Um, and so in my Seattle Vancouver matchup, I think this is kind of where that Cinderella story will end for the white caps. Um, you know, Seattle has that MLS playoff experience. They have that cup tournament experience. Um, once you get kind of that first game under your belt, 
Um, maybe Seattle does survive a scare against RSL. Maybe it does go to OT um, extra time, OT extra time. Um, you know, so maybe that kind of is that, that sort of switch in mindset to sort of get them into gear, who knows, or maybe they beat RSL handily and just sort of cruise either way. Um, I think they would take care of business against the Vancouver side. So um, I'm picking Seattle and move on to the conference finals. All right. Um, yeah. In that situation, I, I would probably agree. Obviously my, my, um, my draw is different. So um, RSL versus Whitecaps is an interesting matchup, not necessarily two teams that thrive the whole season. As you pointed out, both quite low seeds. Um, hmm. You know, I <laughs> the 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 narrative is kind of taking a hold of my predictions. But I, I in this isolated matchup, I actually think I would go with RSL um, only yep. because they have a lot of experience in that side. They have a lot of people who've done a lot of things in this league, and uh, I think. To your point, at some point, the momentum for the Whitecaps probably runs out. Um, the amount of energy they're probably going to have to spend on SKC probably is where that ends. And uh, I, I think RSL somehow, some way, um, make it to the conference finals and and, and pull a, a huge upset. Mm-hmm. So now we move to Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, friends, if Minnesota does beat Portland, they will play on Thanksgiving Day, 2.30 p.m. Central Time. So you can't get that early afternoon nap in, unfortunately. you got to hold off on the trip to fan until maybe dinner. <laughs> uh, but uh, it would be, if Minnesota advances, it would be Minnesota, Colorado, and Denver. Um, and I don't know, this is, this is tough. I, I think Colorado, there's a reason they're the one seed in the West, man. They are so incredibly good. I mean, they showed it. They've shown it against Minnesota United numerous times this season. They have the loons number. Uh, they're just really freaking good. Uh, and I just, I, I picture this matchup, and I, I just can't envision a scenario where Minnesota United comes out on top, even if Ray and Hunu and Lud are playing out and Fragapani are playing out of their mind. I just think Colorado has way too much firepower. Um, now I could see, I could see Minnesota United scoring three goals and losing this one in regulation to be honest. honestly, I think that's probably what would happen. Um, and, uh, and I, I think, I think Colorado, I think they're, they're streaking right now. And I think they keep that momentum going. So unfortunately, speaking of runs ending, I think this is where Minnesota United run Minnesota United's run ends on Thanksgiving day at the hands of Colorado. So I'm picking the Rapids to move to the conference finals. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think um, this will probably be, as as all matches between these two teams are, this will probably be a wild game. It'll probably be a very, it'll mm-hmm. probably be the weirdest of the conference semis. And like you said, it might even result in, you know, Minnesota scoring two or three goals. But, uh, I you know, you look at the way, and it's like, it's all about peaking at the right time, right? Because Colorado, for most of the season, once they kind of found their feet, were were not top of the table. They were kind of floating around like third, fourth. Um, the way they just like slapped around LAFC that last game to secure yeah. the uh, the top spot. The whole the whole the whole season a when they desperate were doing... LAFC side. Oh yeah, LAFC and, was and... desperate heading into the day. They needed to win and they needed help. And Colorado, like you said, Dom, yeah. just bitch slapped them. 
Just <laughs> it ridiculous. was like, very impressive. If you look at the scoreline, you think like, oh, LAFC must have been like out of contention and just kind of playing the kids or something. But no, I mean, yeah, like you said, this was a game that actually meant quite a bit to them. Um, the whole season, I thought like, oh, well, Colorado looked like they're going to make the playoffs and that'll be fun to see what they do. But that last game, all of a sudden it was kind of like, oh, they might really plan on doing something here. Um, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I, I certainly see them making the, fi- the conference final. Uh, in my case, facing RSL, so that's a little rivalry match to decide the conference. That's fun. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think Minnesota will probably do themselves proud in moments in this game. But but I, I think it's going to yeah. be a crazy, like, 4-2 or something. Red card for someone. Just, yeah. Colorado are going to win with a red card. I hope it's not... <laughs> I hope it's not like Seattle last year where it's, you know, a three nil Minnesota United lead. And then all of a sudden they just give yeah. it all up. I, I really hope that we get some sort of entertaining matchup. And if Minnesota loses, I hope it's in some sort of back and forth heavyweight, yeah. heavyweight fight, you know, slugging it out. Haymakers type scenario. Um, yeah. And, you know, there might be literal haymakers thrown because it's Colorado and Minnesota. So uh, you never know. But yeah, I, I think I think the Rapids. Uh, we both think the Rapids move on. So let's move back over to the East. Our conference final matchup here. Both of us have Atlanta and Philly in the conference finals. The five seed Atlanta traveling to Philadelphia to take on the Union. This to me has potential to be absolute fireworks. Like I, I think if 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 Atlanta gets to this point, which you think they will, they'll obviously be in unreal form. Um, Philadelphia is. A, uh both teams are just super well rounded as well uh it's you know I, but to me i think i'm going to go with consistency here i'm going to go with consistency over kind of the roller coaster quality that we've seen from atlanta united i mean the highs are high with atlanta but we've seen the lows be really really low with this team um so i am going to take the team with sort of that consistency that consistent quality um, so I'm going to take the union to move on to MLS Cup. I uh, I have the exact same choice in mind. Yeah, I think, like you said, Atlanta have their high points, but they also have their low points. And their low points have been quite low. Uh, and yeah. I think the union just have a little... I, I think part of it for me is it feels like Atlanta have extreme quality in a couple positions, whereas the union have good quality in every position. I would say great quality in every position. Yeah, yeah. And in every single position. Change the formation, make Mm -hmm. new positions, there's still quality for them. Like it's Mm -hmm. just such a deep team. And uh I you know, they don't necessarily have like the natural firepower of Atlanta, but I, I, I think that they will manage this game and figure out a way through it. You think of, you know, in uh in uh CONCACAF Champions League this year where Philadelphia went to Atlanta and just like bulldozed them out of nowhere. You, you think of mm-hmm. games like that. I just see the potential for, for Philadelphia to do a sort of shock and awe campaign here. And uh, yeah, I, I see them moving to the final. And like we've been saying this, this whole bracket, I think Philadelphia, that team, Jim Kearns, I think they all have like a little bit of a vendetta in mind of like, we deserved so much more last year. It's up to us to get that. We have to earn that as athletes. And uh, I think they probably know that this year, if they don't do it, it's probably not going to happen again um, because they have quite an old squad. 
So, um, yeah, I, I see them going to the final. All right. So on the Western Conference side, I have Colorado, Seattle. You have RSL. Um, I am, again, kind of very, very similar to my reasoning for them taking Minnesota. Um, I think if it were, if Minnesota were on the bottom of the bracket and Minnesota were getting Seattle in the conference semis, um, I would be, I think I would be not as confident as them playing Portland, but I think I would still be confident in Minnesota United's chances. Um, I do think Seattle is a little bit vulnerable. Um, and I think Colorado can definitely feast on that. Um, I think I, I'm, I think this, this could be a really, really good conference final, a really, really fun conference final. Um, but I just think Colorado has just uh, similar to your reasoning with Portland. I think they have too much quality in those key areas um, being the, their, their, their attack. I think they're one of the few teams in the league that can match or exceed Seattle's attacking output. Um, and I think that's sort of that, that, ability to sort of cancel that out or even take it a step further, uh, I think is what will, what will be Seattle's undoing. And I think Colorado moves on MLS cup. Yeah. Uh, in my version where it's, it's RSL versus Colorado, my, 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 my silly stuff about RSL ends here and yeah, Colorado completely destroy that game. Um, to your point, I, I, I just think when that team, when Colorado is on, they are so good. They're merciless almost. And um, they can find goals in so many different ways. I, I really think this is a group that feels like there's some sort of destiny at play. There's some sort of fate at play. Like they just seem so, so in and so on when they need to be. You look at, you know, the way they come back against Minnesota and, you know, those sorts of performances, as silly as they feel when you're the fan of the other team. Uh, that's showing a lot of character in a side and just their ability to just adapt. Uh, and I don't think RSL will be anywhere near prepared enough to, to handle it. All right. So we have the same MLS cup matchup, Dom from the same wavelength here, Colorado and Philly for the 2021 MLS cup, which goes down December 11th at 2 PM, no matter who plays, I guess December 11th at 1 PM central time, no matter who plays. Um, Colorado and Philly, man, this is, this would be a fun one. This would be a really fun one. Um, and I just, again, I think it's that unfinished business, that chip on the shoulder. Colorado hasn't necessarily had the recent struggles, the recent failure to give them that chip on the shoulder. They're sort of an ascending team. Um, whereas Philly are kind of like you said they're very much in the middle of their window they've they've watched new england you know celebrate on their field last year they watched columbus go to mls cup and win probably thinking that should have been them uh and i i think there's a lot of motivation there's a lot of quality to back up that motivation too it's not like this is uh you know a mediocre team that's just riding a high of of having that chip on their shoulder this is a really really good club with that motivation too. Um, and ultimately I think that's going to carry them all the way. And I think Philly's going to be the team that lifts the trophy. Uh, and I do as well. I think this is going to be a really, really interesting matchup. These are two teams with a lot of grit with a lot of uh, physicality when they need to have it. Um, you know, Colorado 
that's a roster not built like MLS rosters are supposed to be built. And, and I think there's a lot of personality through that in that team. But to your point, Colorado have also spent the last, gosh, four or five seasons essentially accepting that they were like a team out of the playoff picture halfway through the year. Um, I think the their ascendancy has been really abrupt, which is obviously fun for for Colorado fans, but it also potentially means that the uh, intent and culture to to win something like MLS Cup maybe isn't ready there. Whereas for the Union, they were probably already convinced they were going to do it a year ago, and yeah. uh, you know I, I I think you know if this ends up being the, the final matchup, I think the Union will just figure it out. Fit, you know, Colorado are going to be a very different team than the teams that they had to beat on the way to this in the playoffs, but they will just have to figure it out and they have the players to figure it out. I think it's going to be a wild game. I think this is the kind of game that like, there's going to be a lot of cards. There's going to be a lot of um, stoppages. I think there's going to be a lot of drama just because yeah. these are two teams that are not afraid of that stuff, but uh, a lot of vets, a lot of youngsters on these teams, but uh yeah, I see the Union pulling this one out. And uh, and a year after winning their first major trophy, winning the biggest trophy they can they can win domestically, which is a shame for Colorado to miss out on that. But uh, in a way, Philadelphia still have a bigger, a bigger uh, need for this because Colorado have won MLS Cup. It was a long time ago now, but yeah. that, that franchise does have a certain amount of, of success in its history, albeit a small amount. Yeah. For the union, this is still so new and so needed uh, for for a, a widely supported team to to finally have something for the supporters to be cheering for. So yeah, I, I think the union I think the union just figure out a way to defend Colorado like no one else has, and and they figure it out and they win. All right. Well, we have a lot of overlap on ours, Dom. <laughs> I think the. When, when we put out the the side by side brackets, I think Twitter's gonna be very disappointed in how similar our brackets are. <laughs> uh, it yeah. is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, all right, Dom. Well, that'll do it for kind of our segment here. Which is thank you so much for tuning in. Stick around though. Really good interview here coming up. Sean Holmes, coach of St. Cloud State University, their men's team coming off their first ever season, their inaugural season. Uh, with a soccer program, a men's soccer program in the D2 ranks. Um, and one of their freshman midfielders, Emmanuel Iwe, uh, joining the interview as well. Very, very good conversation. Stick around for that. Dom and I will be back with you next week as always. All right. Now joining the show fresh, fresh off their very first season of NCAA Division II soccer. It's St. Cloud State head men's soccer coach, Sean Holmes, and freshman midfielder, Emmanuel Iwe. Uh, guys, thank you so much for taking the time tonight. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad to be here. Excited to be here. Thank you. We're excited to have you on. This has been a, a few weeks in the making here, trying to coordinate schedules and get you guys on the show. So we're very happy to, to finally make it happen here. Um, so we have a lot to talk about and not a lot of time to do it here. So we're going to jump right in. Um, so, Coach, uh, you were hired before the 2020 season was set to start. Um, had the decision already been made from St. Cloud's standpoint to make that step up from D3 to D2, and were you hired knowing that you were stepping into a Division II program? Yeah, well, so uh, let me clarify that. Our hockey, our men's and women's hockey is Division I. 
all of our other teams at our school compete division two. So we had no program. This is not a transitional program. This oh, is a yes. start from scratch and going to D2. And I got hired. I got hired in February and exactly to the day, four weeks later, the world shut down on March 13th for COVID. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was an interesting way to start a program. Yeah, there were challenges. We, we had no players. Um, we had just stopped a dropped football after a hundred years. And then we added soccer and then COVID happened. So every possible way that it could be a challenge was a challenge. Yeah, I can I can only imagine kind of the, the struggles that you guys might have faced as a program during that uh, during that time. Uh, Emmanuel, I'm going to transition over to you here. Um, you know, you're you're obviously local. Uh, you play for Joy of the People here locally in St. Louis Park. Um, did you? When did St. Cloud State sort of get on your radar from a player standpoint? Um, and how far after kind of the announcement of the program were you were you kind of jumping on board there? Um, so I believe it all started, um, I would say around September of 2020, which I think is like right the first couple months of the program. Um, I initially wasn't even a part of, you know, the first group of uh, guys that they brought in. Uh, my friend, who you probably know, Zinedine Creighton, um, already went here. And so I, I would go up uh, periodically to visit him and watch their training sessions because at that time, you know, they're <clears throat> there wasn't any games going on. There was no, um, no regular season. So um, I kind of went up there, uh, watched the training session, and it was actually never really, you know, on my radar per se. Um, I was looking into going back to school. I was, I hadn't decided, you know, what school I wanted to go to yet. And sitting there watching their sessions, um, funny enough. And one day, you know, uh, I think it was maybe the second or third time I went up there. And uh, Sean calls me over and, you know, he calls me over. I walk over there and I think uh, he had previously spoken to Zinedine about me and he knew that uh, I played soccer or at least I had a soccer background. And so, you know, he asked me, you know, what are my plans? And I told him, you know, I'm not really sure at the moment with COVID, you know, I'm not exactly sure where to go. Um, I didn't really have anywhere to train. Mm-hmm. And I told him I was looking into getting back into school. And so, you know, he talked to me and, you know, he kind of pitched St. Cloud State, you know, hey, it's a great new program. You know, it could be a part of something new. But what he said to me was most importantly that, you know, I can go and get a degree, and which is very big for me because, you know, uh, my family holds school very highly. And so it took, you know, it took some thoughts and some deliberation with, you know, my friends and family about it. And obviously having, you know, Zindin up here uh, really helped push the process. But you know, when people talk about, you know, um, YD2, YD3, you know, YD1, um, it's not, for me at least, it's not really about that. I think, like, the biggest the biggest thing is having the trust in the coach and the people, you know, who bring you there. You know, if you have the right, you know, the right staff, the right, you know, coach, and someone who is on the same page as you ideal-wise, then I don't think it depends on the level you're going to. I think it depends on really what you're trying to accomplish at that school and, you know, the, the personnel you have or the personnel you can get. So that's, that was my so main. Let's decision. talk about the season as a whole. This first. Yeah. Mm, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about this sort of first, uh, first D2 season as a whole here. Um, you know, you, you get through COVID and then you finally get a chance to kind of have this full, full first season. 
Um, Coach, did you have any expectations coming in? I mean, is there the opportunity to have any expectations? Kind of just give us your kind of thoughts and feelings as you were heading into that first season in terms of being Well, yeah, our first our first season, fall 20, we were going to be playing a provisional schedule that was going to be com- composed of D3, D2, D1, NAIA, and club teams, and JUCO teams. So the season that we lost in 20, you know, wasn't the end of the world. This year, we knew we were going into the very, very competitive GLIAC. And, and I'll tell you this, I'm at the, I'm at the high school showcase right now. Uh, can you guys still hear me? Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, uh, every team at Division Two has three to five old foreign guys on their team. This is ultimately the biggest difference between, I think, you know, D3 and the MIAC, uh, the MIAC in, uh, uh, in Minnesota is there, there's a there's a there's a maturity and there's real traveling right you're not just doing hour day trips around minnesota uh you're, you're going and you're traveling so my expectations were that we would uh we would t- our goal was to survive <laughs> to survive the season uh there were moments when we were very very good and then there were other moments we weren't so good and uh what probably was the most difficult part of the challenge was that fridays and sundays uh you know, you play Friday, Sunday, you play Friday, Sunday. So we might be magnificent on a Friday night. You got to turn around in under 48 hours and do it again. And that was tough, very tough. So all in all, I was pleased with the progress we made. Yeah, you know, that's, that's interesting. You guys got five results in your 18 matches. So when you, when you think about Hello? what you guys were able to do, Emmanuel, uh, what, what does that tell you in terms of, you know, it's, it's a first season at that level. It's the first season the program has ever existed. So you know there's going to be challenges. You know there's going to be hurdles. You know there's going to be adversity. Um, but you guys do win five matches. How do you sort of, I, I guess, balance that out in your mind where obviously you want to have a winning record. You want to win as many games as possible. But, you know, you guys you guys were able to put some results under your belt in your first season. Yeah, so um, to take that into account, you know, having started a new program, uh, no one really expects – uh, much of us, obviously, because very new program. No one really. I think we were ranked, I think like seventh coming to our in our conference something coming into into the season, and turn around and winning five games. And I think we beat time one of the games. We beat the number one team in the conference, Purdue Northwest, at home. You know, three one after losing to them away, like two one or something. So no one was really like expecting us and. The thing is, like, I um, spoke to Coach, you know, a few times, and we talked about it's not the fact that our season was bad. We had, you know, I would say quite a decently successful season, but what frustrates us is that we had the ability to do more, you know, and it's that kind of willingness to do more and that, you know, um, ability that we know we have is what kind of, like, frustrates us about the season. So I think as a whole, you know, it was, you know, a successful season. And the turn and the steps we took, and you know, coming into what, like Coach said, a very difficult um, conference when you know you have a lot of older guys, you have a lot of foreign guys, and we're a team uh, mm-hmm. compromise comp- compromised of like mainly underclassmen. I think we have two seniors this year, so there's mm-hmm. definitely you know room for growth, and like it's gonna we're gonna be a force of nature in the next you know two three years for sure. 
Yeah, you kind of spoke to that, but how much confidence does that give you, Emmanuel, knowing that, you know, you, Zinedine, Andres, you know, some of those other guys, like like how much the freshmen stepped up in this season, knowing that it's basically a complete unknown. You're, you know, starting a soccer team from scratch, as Coach mentioned. And, I mean, you get six goals and four assists. Andres gets eight goals. You know, Zinedine is a big uh, contributor as well. I mean, how much confidence does that give you, you know, at a couple years down the line as you guys get more experience and a couple more recruiting classes get added to the mix? I mean, how much confidence does that give you that you guys can really, really do something pretty quick with this program? Um, I think it gives us, you know, extreme confidence, in my opinion, you know, coming off the back of the season, like knowing that, you know, as freshmen, what we're capable of doing and basically capable of keep uh, putting up a fight. You know, there, there are moments of, you know, lapses of concentration, but, you know, that comes with having a young team. But, and as we progress, I think at least personally, you know, I have extreme confidence in the group of guys and extreme confidence, hopefully in the group of guys that, you know, follow in the recruiting class and, you know, to be able to do something because we've already shown, you know, that we can do something and we can, you know, basically hang with the big boys of the conference. So, yeah, I'd say a lot, a lot of confidence within the next, you know, one to two to three years that we can, you know, really do something. Emmanuel and Coach Sean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pose this question to both of you, and Emmanuel, I'll, I'll have you answer first. Looking back at the season, what was, you know, one or two of the biggest lessons you learned, or biggest takeaways that that you learned about sort of this level of soccer, but also kind of where this program is as a whole. Um, I would say one of the biggest takeaways is that, you know, with this level is that sometimes it's, you know, it's just a fight. It's just, it comes down to mental fortitude and you kind of have to be prepared for it. It's about kind of knowing what's required of you and, you know, what you have to do. And yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway is now is kind of knowing the requirements of what you have to do and like having seen you know, the level that it is, what's required, and, like, the play styles of most of the teams, if, well, all the teams in the conference. So my biggest takeaway would be, um, yeah, you kind of just – you need to fight sometimes. Coach, you've been on the sidelines for a long time. You've been in a lot of situations with a lot of different programs at a lot of different levels. Um, but I have to assume that you're still sort of learning lessons at this point in your coaching career. Uh, what was one of the biggest takeaways or biggest things that, that you kind of learned about maybe this level or this this team? You know, you can take this kind of any way, any way you want. Uh, you did mention that I'm old. Uh, you know, I've coached, I've, I've coached at the NAI level. Uh, I was an assistant in Division One, and I was a head coach for a long time in Division One. And my greatest accomplishment when I was at Drake University down in Des Moines is that we took a team, sort of an unheralded group, unheralded group of guys, and uh, from Iowa and Kansas City, and we went to the Elite Eight. And when I got the job at um, at St. Cloud State as the first state school playing division two i thought it was imperative that we deal with minnesota guys uh every game that we played this year i think the least number of guys that we ever started from minnesota was seven and our biggest i think we started nine minnesotans and we were competitive with minnesota guys that to me was really really important and uh we've recruited around the state you know you talk about andres garcia who's from austin got a lot of guys from the twin cities we're recruiting all over the state now and uh that, that, that was important to us. You know, I've been Chester, you know, all over the place looking for players. And it was it was important for us. Uh, and then, you know, when you talk about our team, uh, I think you can do it like, listen, we'll be better in a year or two. 
our front six, right? So our striker, our wide guys, our whole midfield, were all freshmen, right? And now some of them were, were what I call, you know, COVID freshmen, right? They, they're, they're in their second year of school, but this was their first year of collegiate competition. And uh, so, so I think the, the, the question at the end of the, the season that my athletic director, athletic director asked me was like, can you still do it with this model? And my answer is, I think we can. Right. I really believe that we're going to we're going to do it with Minnesotans um, uh, and we're going to do it with with good young players. So I know the model for D2 is, you know, have five 25 year old guys, but that's not really what we're we're going to do. We're going to do it the right way. So and that right way sounds a little judgy, but but in fact, it is. <laughs> and that's what we want to do. It. So, you know, our, the, the we, state- our role, mo- our model. Yeah, our model for our program, we have a, a wrestling program that's won, you know, five consecutive national championships and our hockey team for three weeks in a row now has been number one in the country. And they do it with mostly with Minnesota guys. And that's what we're going to do. Right. That's all. That's and, and I'm going to stick by it. So uh, I'll live I'll live I'll live and I'll die by that. You know, three years from now, when my contract, my first contract expires, my AD said when I might say, listen, the Minnesota idea is quaint. But it's not successful enough, but it's going to be. It's going to be, I promise you. There's so many good players in the state, and, and that's what I want to do. And we will. Does St. Thomas's move up to D1 you know, affect you guys at all in terms of does it bring more eyeballs to the state as a whole so that might help you? Does it take away from your potential player pool? How does that sort of affect the, the business you're doing, specifically when it comes to recruiting in-state? Uh, you know, a little bit, but, you know, St. Thomas's St. Thomas's goal uh, is they're, you know, what I call an aspiring Big East school. I know they're in the summit right now, but, you know, their model is DePaul, you know, St. Louis, Marquette, th- those kind of schools. There, there are so many players that I think like my goal for, for, for the program is uh, St. Thomas grows. I love John Larry. I think it did a good job. He got some good wins at the end of the year. My, my goal is that athletic directors across the state at at Moorhead State at Concordia St. Paul at Duluth at you name it look and say wow what a great way and if you looked at our roster you know soccer in the state has a lot of diversity and um we we our, our hashtag which I've never made viral uh but I've been using now for a year and a half is new Minnesota college soccer and my assistant Zach Nyberger who's a local guy went to Minneapolis Southwest he thought that it meant that we were new Minnesota college soccer. And I said, no, we're college soccer. That's going to represent the new Minnesota, right? We've got awesome. city guys. We've got guys from all over the place. Um, and, and that's what we wanted to do. We want, we don't want it to be just a, a bunch of guys from, from the, for, I don't want a team with 10 German guys. I don't want a ten, team with 10 English guys who come and go home. I want Minnesota guys so that 10 years from now, when you're going around the state, you're going to see St. Cloud alums all over the place in the game and helping grow the game. So I hope, you know, we don't have enough JUCOs that sponsor the so- soccer in the state. Uh, the D- D3 has been terrific, but D2 is just an opportunity for growth now. And, and one day, you know what I hope happens? I hope Minnesota is playing men's soccer in the Big Ten. I think it would be terrific. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that statement. That would, yeah. be, that would be amazing. Um, <clears throat> we'll row the boat in soccer. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Row the <laughs> boat all the way across the pitch. Uh, Emmanuel, from your vantage point, does that give you a kind of a bigger sense of pride knowing that you're playing alongside a majority of guys that are also in Minnesota, like from Minnesota, to kind of feel like this is sort of like Minnesota's 
Minnesota's team? Does that give you any sort of boost in in pride or or motivation as you move forward? Um, honestly, I'd say a little bit because, like you know, like Coach says, it's not as if it's like to it's it's like a Minnesota to like a, a point. It's a means mm-hmm. to an end. So. Like with the whole, you know, Minnesota thing, I think it does kind of give me a bit of a sense of pride because, you know, we all grew up in this state. Like I've always felt, in my opinion, that Minnesota is such an underrated soccer soccer state in the United States. Like there are so many good, like great players that come from here. And, you know, like for us to kind of be kind of getting up in the higher echelons of, of soccer in, in the country, I think is going to give me, you know, a little bit of sense of pride. Like, all right, you know, we're kind of the first, you know, to really, you know, kickstart it and you know play alongside these guys so we can really show that you know like there's there's good players in the state and really show that that yeah like we we're a state that can can be something big yeah so let's move away from st cloud state what you guys are doing there is unbelievable and i wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward but um emmanuel you spent this past summer playing for joy athletic in the npsl soccer you know, how does that get you ready for for your college season at the D2 level? And, uh, you know, I'll put you on the spot and kind of ask you, you know, what are your plans for next summer? Do you plan on being back in St. Louis Park or, or what? Yeah, so, you know, uh, playing MPSO was uh, a great experience, you know, um, playing alongside my friends as well in a, another new team, you know, um, with Joy Athletic having its inaugural season this past um, this past summer. I mean, I definitely, you know, helped get me ready um, because as, you know, MPSL and D2, you know, very similar levels, like you have a mix of uh, collegiate players in MPSL and you kind of have a mix of different ages in, um, in D2. So um, the levels, you know, are similar. And so, you know, it really helps, you know, get ready, you know, kind of the intensity, have a high intensity. It really helped um, with the with the road trips because in MPSL, you know, you have to play a lot of, you know, away games, you know, Sioux Falls, South Dakota or um, Dakota Fusion, you know, those are those are drives in, a, in and of their own. So um, not quite as much as the GLIAC where, you know, we just had like four weeks <laughs> straight on the road. So it definitely, it definitely helps um, a little bit to kind of experience and, you know, show that, you know, playing on the road is very difficult, especially when you have to drive, you know, 13 hours to do it. So now that I feel like we're more acquainted to it, uh or acclimated to it, i should say like um i feel like, um as for next summer for me you know that's a that's a toss-up you know joy athletic is yeah. obviously like a great club it has a great philosophy and is doing you know great things in mpsl and you know it will forever have a place in my heart but you know you never know where you're going to end up Definitely. Well, uh, you know, once you once you make your decision, you know, make sure you come on 10,000 pitches and, and let us know and give us the scoop. All right. For sure. <laughs> uh, coach, over to you now. Um, obviously, we talked about the amount of time that you spend in Des Moines, uh, about, about 20 years, I think you said off air. Um, this isn't your first venture into Minnesota soccer. You also have served as an MLS scout for Minnesota United. Um, I didn't know that before, before just kind of catching up on your bio here. So, uh, you know, kind of give me a give me a little glimpse of what what that experience was like, and kind of how you how you got into that role, and and just tell me a little bit about that. Well, Tim Carter, who used to run the academy for Minnesota United, uh, or helped build the academy, he built Shattuck St. Mary's, and then built the Minnesota United Academy. Uh, he called me one day and said, "Do you want to make a few bucks and uh, help us build 
our, uh, our inaugural roster. And uh, I, I don't know how useful I was. It was an interesting experience. We did a lot of data collection. I, had, I was assigned three teams, uh, Philadelphia Union, Rail, Salt Lake, and Colorado Rapids. And uh, I, I had to watch hundreds of hours of, of uh, MLS soccer and USL, watch some of the younger reserve players and I don't know that in the end they listened to anything I said, but uh, it was a good experience. And I, I'm, you know, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited because, you know, Minnesota United are in the playoffs coming up. And um, I, I hope, you know, the only thing I would say, and I, I know it's pro, uh, I, I hope that eventually, um, just like, you know, Kansas City, Matt Beasler retired today. Uh, he was a local mm-hmm. Kansas City kid who played at Notre Dame. They had Seth Sinovic at left back for 10 years. It was a local guy. Um, I'm hoping that uh, Minnesota United one day has a good, you know, starts producing players like FC Dallas does. And, and then you watching MLS games. And uh, I wouldn't be upset, uh, upset if uh, Jackson Ewell came home, right? How great would that be? So I, I would like it to see. I'd like to see a real Minnesota flavor in the team. I know Coleman. Coleman is a warrior, but I think there's room for more guys as well. And that's the obligation. That's what we're trying to do. That's what lots of colleges are trying to do to help produce players and get them ready for that next level. So I mean, we've seen, I made a few uh, bucks and I had some fun. Caden Clark's. I mean, you know, there's so much talent in this area. It's all about finding a way to to keep it here, right? Yes, yes, and that's what we're trying to do. And we're trying to, you know, that think of soccer in Minnesota. It's got a rich tradition, you know, with the kicks and whatever the strikers in the old days. But now we have Division Two soccer, which we didn't have. Now we have Division One soccer, which we didn't have. Now we have MLS, which we didn't have. I think St. Croix are adding a USL team. So NPSL, UPSL, USL2 is growing. I think it's fantastic. And I just hope it keeps going. I hope we're part of it, and I hope it happens and gets bigger and better. I couldn't agree more. I, that's why I love hosting this podcast. We get to talk about it and be kind of a small part of that uh, that continued growth in Minnesota soccer. Uh, Sean Holmes, Absolutely. Emmanuel Iwe, both from St. Cloud State University, fresh off their very first season uh, of soccer in general, but also soccer at the Division II level. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week. We very much appreciate it, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you both again soon. Good luck, fellas. Thank you very much. Let's grow the game. Let's grow the game.